Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Daily Premier League news and views. This is Football Social Daily. Electric Everton are in the Premier League's top four. Four games in, ten points on the board, no defeats and an impressive 3-1 triumph over Burnley last night. The Toffees are in the Champions League places at the moment, but surely they can't stay there. It looks like brilliant business from the Blues on Merseyside, bringing in Townsend for nothing and Damari Gray for a snip. And maybe, just maybe, bringing in Rafa Benitez was a masterstroke as well. We'll discuss last night's action, which leaves Everton flying high, but Burnley by the bottom. From Goodison Park to the Wankdorf Arena. Yes, seriously, <laughs> it's the home of young boys from Bern in Switzerland, and they are the opponents for Manchester United as the Champions League kicks off this evening. Ronaldo is still ticking along like an expertly crafted Swiss watch, but will he play tonight? Plus, Chelsea kick off their defence of the UEFA Champions League 2 with a visit of Russian club Zenit St. Petersburg to Stamford Bridge. Thomas Tuchel has been terrific so far for the Blues, but can he mastermind two Champions League titles on the spin? Never been done before by an English club. We'll discuss their game against Zenit, as well as the manager's thoughts on Ben Chilwell's absence from the Chelsea side this season. All of that to come here on Football Social Daily. I'm Niall McCorn and alongside me to do it, we've got Steve McNaughton. Morning to you, Steve. Morning, mate. How are you getting on? I'm very well. I would say morning, but it's probably more like mid-afternoon for you, seeing as you've been up since uh, the early hours, <laughs> yep. looking after your young ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it, mate. I'm already, uh, what time are we on? Oof, we're already uh, probably about eight hours in. And uh, the opposite of that is Ant McGinley, who has actually had no sleep at all because champions never sleep, do they, Ant? <laughs> That's right. I, I, I can't remember the last time that happened. So. <laughs> and of course, is from Wrestling with the Champ, the podcast series you can find on the Sports Social Podcast Network, so go and check it out. But first, we need to talk about last night's Premier League action, which took place at Goodison Park, as Everton dispatched Burnley by three goals to one. And that win takes them level with the top four after four games in the Premier League so far this season. Ten points on the board and still yet to taste defeat. After the start they've had, Steve, 
Do you think that the fans can be a little bit more ambitious under Rafa Benitez than perhaps what they would have expected at the start of the season? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, let's be completely realistic here. Um, the, the, any team's going to have a job to break that top four up because they're so good. But Everton... I think if they could, you know, finish fifth and get in them Europa League places, that'd be that'd be a good season for them. Um, it's all there, you know, all the pieces are there for me. Um, last night, you know, they played some scintillating football last night, and I think that you know Everton fans can get excited about the potential. Um, and it'll be good for you know it'd be good for them to scan, you know, get in them places. Big big sleeping giant of a football club that. You know, it would take me Liverpool hat off for a minute. Um, have massively underachieved, you know, for a few decades now. So, um, I think you know to have to have a competitive Everton in the league would be would only be good news. Yeah, we had a fascinating chat on yesterday's podcast about this game in particular and Everton and their ambitions for the season, their ambitions under Rafa, and also the players that they've managed to bring in, the likes of James Rodriguez, who I think was overshadowed last night by the performances of. Andros Townsend and Andy uh, Andy Gray and Damari Gray. <laughs> Andy Gray is from a time gone by. Can you imagine if they'd have him back hey, in the you know side? What? That would you be know, ridiculous. You know what? I've met Andy Gray. He's still in great shape. That guy lives in the gym when you look at him. So I would not be surprised. If... <laughs> the, the only thing I always remember about Andy Gray is every time he used to do co-commentary on Sky Sports, someone could miss a header from 50 yards and he'd be like, you should have scored that. This man was just so brutal and ruthless on headers. And there's, there's always that clip of commentary of him on FIFA as well. It's like, when you talk about Hardman, you talk about him. <laughs> <laughs> well, Townsend and Gray, not Andy Gray, Damari Gray, both scored two of the three goals coming from new signings. Both of those players, Ant, cost a combined £1.7 million. Along with the performance of Alan in the midfield last night, who I thought was absolutely superb, you have to consider that really good business for Everton. You know, all of the hype and all of the talk last season was on Hamas Rodriguez. Well, actually, Townsend and Gray took the stage for themselves last night, didn't they? Yeah, and the the really interesting thing with this as well is, like, as you say, they've, they've only brought in a couple of players. So the, the team isn't that different to what they had last year as well. And so the question is, is... Is, is Benita just tweaked it a little bit, changed it a little things? Has he man management got things out of players that they weren't getting last season? Or is he actually building on the work that was done by Ancelotti? And I think that, that question is going to be a, a, a difficult one to sort of like break down and it'll take time to, to look at all that. But I, I think, you know, you're absolutely right. I mean, that the, the performance from Townsend you know, I know. I know he had a couple of years in the wilderness on loan at about eight different clubs, in between his his time at, uh, well, basically from Spurs to when he went to Palace. But that the the what he played with was somebody who's you know supreme confidence. That's what we saw throughout the game. That's that's the kind of performances that got him in the England squad very early on. Um, I mean, I'm still. I always have a question mark. More because I've never scored from that distance. <laughs> Whenever I see someone score from that distance, is that what they really wanted to do? Uh, but ever since uh, we had company do that for City a couple of seasons ago, I'm like, yep, they meant that. They meant the absolute. <laughs> that was a meant fluke. <laughs> <laughs> company was going for the other corner. Yeah. Everyone knows that. Don't get Steve started on that as well, but, because that'll uh, uh, that'll break his heart. Uh, but as for Damari Gray, I mean, I, I think that's the thing as well. Like both both the players you mentioned there, Andros Andros and Damari. Such supreme confidence. That finish, that finish was Messi-esque. 
You know, there was just the 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 way you know he's through one on one, and and sometimes if you've not seen the goal, he must have had about four or five seconds, which is a lifetime, you know, in that position. And so many times you see it gives them too much time to think. They have too many options. And, and and they bottle it. And yet, it was just such supreme confidence. You never felt that with him at all. And, you know, th- th- this is, you know, last season, uh, um, you know, and obviously they still had uh, Calvert-Lewin who's been getting goals for them as well this season. So suddenly now you've got a team that are playing well, that have got goal scorers, and importantly, as they did on the first day of the season as well, are able to come back from a goal down, which... Suddenly now, when you look at those three things, you've got the ingredients of a team that could do very, very well this season. Yeah, the fans are absolutely loving Gray. Another stand innovation for him last night. We had Trevor Stephen, who would incidentally have played with Andy Gray um, back in the 80s at the height of Everton's kind of success when they were winning league titles and stuff like that. And um, he said on the podcast that Howard Kendall... Everton's legendary manager gave him some really good advice, which was just give 100%, get your foot in, um, do something exciting, get the fans off of their seats early on in your Everton career, and they will love you for the rest of the time that you're there. And I think that that is a piece of advice which seems to be stood in good stead now because another stand innovation, Steve, last night for Gray, as I say, and we've spoken so many times on Football Social Daily, not just you and I, but everyone about the state of the transfer market at the moment and how much money is being thrown around at different players. I mean, Townsend on a free and Gray, less than £2 million from Bayer Leverkusen. I think it was £1.7 million in the end. I mean, that's a bargain, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's a very, very shrewd signing. And I think, you know, you've got to you know, give Everton some credit for this season because um, they've spent a lot of money in previous years and, you know, they threw some money about on players that should never have commanded a fee that they did and I'm not going to name any names but those listening can probably guess who I'm talking about and um, so they've had to kind of be a bit you know kind of flex a little bit and kind of think outside the box and and and, and look at different options to what everyone else was looking at and when when they brought in Andros Townsend you know raised a few eyebrows that on a free because we, we didn't see it coming it was like all right okay um, it's going to be a squad player he's not really going to you know contribute a lot um, and then they bring in Damari Gray for 1.7 million you're like oh my god it's this like forgotten man almost because he's been out in the wilderness for a while after showing some early promise and he's come in and he's just absolutely flying um, you know he's, he's hit the ground running and he's playing the football at the Everton and the fans demand and like 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 Leif just said, you know, once you do that for Everton and you put everything into the shirt, you've got the respect of the fans, and you know they're a hard fan base to please because the, the standards they demand are, are really high, and I think that he's slotted in really well there, and it's all set up for him, you know, hopefully without any injuries, to have a really good season for them. Steve said earlier, and that fifth would be a good season for Everton. I would go one step further and say that that would be a remarkable season for Everton because if you look at the strength of the Premier League this season. You know, I mean, Everton are probably not in the, the top seven best teams in the division. So to finish fifth would be an excellent achievement for them. And I don't think that's disrespectful. I just think you look at the quality, both Manchester sides, Chelsea and Liverpool, all tipped as title contenders. Then you've got Tottenham and Leicester, who are probably the two other sides that you could consider best of the rest. I hate that term, but it's probably the best way to describe the situation that I'm describing now. So with that in mind... Everton are in the top four now after four games. 
how far do you think they can go? Do you think that they can upset the apple cart this season? Because if they are going to finish in the top four, they're going to have to dislodge one of those four title contenders that I mentioned before, and I can't see that happening. Yeah, although there's part of me, the romantic in me kind of goes, you know, wouldn't it be great when you've got these teams that have spent so many hundreds of millions over the transfer window and then ever and just to kind of like disrupt the apple cart a little bit and come in with just that 1.7 million (laughs) it would would be Leicester City all over again and and, you know you've got to look at the 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 quality that that's in there I mean Demario Gray you know I, I think potentially he's set up for the rest of his career here at Everton you know he's he's only 25 um you know, and if he keeps on playing like this, you know, he, he could even find himself knocking on the door of the England squad by the time he comes around to the World Cup. The um, the, where, where we're at though, in terms of the the top four, it, it it is tight, but then it's still early on in the season. So you still got Brighton and Hove Albion, and and I don't think anyone's taking that serious of them being there. But again, you know, we, we we're not nothing's guaranteed in this. I mean, the top four as it is. You know, there's still some big sides that aren't even... I mean, Everton have displaced Manchester City for a start. You know, and as you say, it's it's really difficult to see just that sheer force, those immovable objects, if you will, of getting in there. But then, you know, West Ham had a great season last year. They're still unbeaten as well. Uh, Leicester City have a lot to offer. And so, it, you know, you're looking at potentially eight teams, realistically, and, and, and win with a shot of getting in that top four. And I think... Everton under Benitez, I mean, you look at his record and his career and where he's been, there's nothing this guy hasn't done that he hasn't won. You know, we could be looking at going from the miracle of Istanbul to the to a, a, a new kind of uh, a, a, a thing on Merseyside. I haven't come up with a name for it yet, but I'll work on that by the end of the show. Um, <laughs> but it, it's there's definitely something exciting, and I think this is the first time in a while it's it, there's been a sense of something really exciting that's happened that seems sustainable now of course you had moments of it in recent years with Rodriguez coming in yeah uh with Ancelotti. I mean last season Everton were top of the league in October and I think they won their first eight games and they were the early pace setters but I think they finished the Premier League season in 10th yeah so and they even ended their duck of not beating Liverpool in a Merseyside derby for 10 years. They ended that last season. So actually, things were looking up under Ancelotti. But he's gone now, back to Real Madrid. And, you know, they ended up finishing 10th or 9th or whatever it was last season. So they were way off the pace, despite being, as I say, the the early leaders for a good chunk of the season. Yeah, and I think it would have been very easy to sort of have an air of depression and go, oh, Ancelotti's gone. You know, this was that big moment and he's gone. Rodriguez was a big signing and he hasn't really worked out. And then there was so much resistance as well to Benitez coming in as the manager. And understandably with, you know, his history with Liverpool. But I dare say that's that's all been brushed under the carpet now. And uh, yes, as as you say, you know, even where they were last season, mid-October, you know, it's still going to be a little while before we can see where where, where things are going to go. But the way they've played, and as I say, the, the thing for me that stands out more than anything is how they've responded to going goal down. And not many teams in the Premier League are able to do that consistently, come back from a goal down. And I think that is going to be... Uh, that that indicates several things. That indicates uh, a great team spirit and belief and organisation and an ability as well for uh, Benitez, whether it's in the halftime team talk or with instructions coming on with the substitutes, to change things to make the difference. And I don't think we have too many pla- too many managers 
that are able to make those changes. Even, even we've seen it with the likes of uh, Guardiola. You know, he's gone in and we've gone, we saw it in the Champions League, we've gone, oh, you know, he's, he's got this a bit wrong and he's made the changes too late to make an impact. And so I, I think that that one piece of flexibility could be all the difference for Everton this season. Yeah, Benitez got his tactics spot on last night. What about Burnley though, Steve? Because as Ant points out, they took the lead. Everton had to come from behind and it was Ben Mee who got the goal, but they weren't that bad on the whole last night. I mean, Everton played some excellent stuff, particularly in the second half. But how dispiriting is that for Sean Dyche and probably the players as well? When you play well, you have a good game, but you still lose comfortably. Yeah, it's very, very hard to take. And I think that it's funny because, you know, at one point last night, they were absolutely dominating, weren't they? Um, until, until mm-hmm. you know, Rafa tweaked his team. But, you know, you look at that that early, you know, Chris Wood chance, um, you know, where, where he should have scored that header, really. Um, you know, that that potentially, you know, he could have got them 1-0 up early doors and then Ben Mee pops in with that one, um, you know, which is a good header. Obviously, you know, let's be honest about it, poor defending and goalkeeping on it. But, you know, 2-0, you feel that, that that puts the game to bed and you think that these margins are so small in the game that, that you know, and the rays are thin and if you're on the right side of them, great. If you're on the wrong side of them, you know, it is pretty tough and, you know, we're looking at Burnley having lost three out of four at the minute, you know, you know they've conceded a few goals and I think Sean Dice will have to position it and say, listen, we're, we're almost kind of, you know, cooking on gas really, because I don't feel that a million miles away. If you look at like Norwich, um, they're going straight. They're going straight back down. Um, you know, even though they spent more money this time, and you look at um, uh, you know Newcastle have started the season really badly, and um, you think that you know Burnley have got enough about them, and and a manager who knows the score and who's been here many times before, to basically get themselves up to the table, but. It's very, very tough with Burnley. Um, you know, it's like I say, it's a very, very small budget. Um, you know, very kind of modest team, modest setup, and everything. And you know, they're going to have to fight like mad to to finish probably middle of the bottom half of the table. I think. Yeah, it took the Clarets until match eight to win their first game last season, Steve. So actually, even though we've seen this before from Burnley, where they start the campaign in the bottom three or in and around the relegation zone and everyone goes, this is the year, this is the time Burnley go down and then Sean Dyche always sucks them out of it. So it's a long season. It's a 38-game season. We're only four games in. There's no need for panic stations just yet at Turf Moor, is there? No, no, it'll be fine. I think, you know, there's teams um, that are in worse positions than them. I think, you know, if, if you look at, I mean, Arsenal will get out of the situation they're in. You have to fear for Watford again, um, and and Leeds United early doors have been sucked in there, haven't they? Um, second season syndrome with them, which we've seen quite a lot of times with the likes of Huddersfield and Sheffield United. Um, so they they'll be really wary of that, and and that's going to put a lower pressure on them because, um, so I think Burnley will have an eye on them and think, you know, let let's get let's uh, overtake Leeds and then let let's try and get Arsenal, and they'll just start clawing their way back out of it. But in terms of if it was to put a percentage on concern. For Burnley this season, it'd be zero at the moment. Everton 3, Burnley 1, the final score in the Premier League last night. Everton flying high, Burnley still in the relegation zone. And we're going to talk Champions League football next. Everton will be wanting that in the next few seasons as they move to their new stadium. But it's the Vankdorf Stadium where we'll be heading as young boys take on Manchester United this evening. We'll talk about it next here on Football Social Daily. 
Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Football Social Daily from Sport Social. Don't forget to hit subscribe and that way you won't miss an episode of the podcast again. Also, go and check out the Sport Social Podcast Network. Tonight, Manchester United play Young Boys from Bern in Switzerland in the Vankdorf Stadium. That sounds like the sort of venue you'd find the champ wrestling in at McGinley. <laughs> new series coming out soon on the podcast network as well. Yeah, yeah. New new series is out. We're just working on the new episode uh, with the award ceremony, which is the Hall of uh, Flame. And uh, we also have exciting news in the works about a live show that we're doing as well. That sounds fun. Go and check it out on Twitter. You can also check it out on the Sports Social Podcast Network, Wrestling with the Champ. I would call it McGinley's alter ego, but I'm not sure it is. I think it is just genuinely (laughs) genuinely you, isn't it? I I don't know where I end and he begins. (laughs) Time to talk the Champions League, which restarts again tonight for the new season. Manchester United are in action away from home in Switzerland. They take on Young Boys. It's a Early kickoff, 5.45pm. We're not used to seeing that in the Champions League, but they've continued with the format we saw last season for some reason. United should be winning this, and there's no excuses, really. The quality that they've got compared to their Swiss opponents, it should be a comfortable evening for them. Well, I mean, in in the time since uh, United have won the uh, Premier League, uh, young boys of Bern have won their domestic lead four times in a row. So, um, uh, in terms of confidence, I would say they would, they, you would normally in any other league you would say, well, you know, you've got to be aware of them. Uh, but yes, I think uh, in, in terms of their previous uh, Champions League performances, it would be a bigger surprise than Leicester winning the um, the, the Premier League if young boys were just to get a, a result of any kind out of this game. Uh, I, I think. The, the interesting thing is I, I think we're more or less almost guaranteed to see uh, Ronaldo play. I know there's this thing of like looking after players and, and being careful, but I think he played more minutes in Serie A last season than he did in his first season at Manchester United when he was a young, fit uh, teenager. And so I, I think he's one of these people that whatever he does in his future career, there will be models of like his fitness and what he's done uh, to maintain his performance. Um, yeah, I, I, I think this this will, this is almost, almost, this is the point at which you get in trouble. It's a dead set, put your house on it. But having said <laughs> that, you know, Cavani is injured. Um, yeah. the, the, and also as well, you know, this is not a perfect United side. They've had a great window. They've, they've made some great signings and, and obviously Ronaldo is the cherry on the cake uh, for many people. Could have probably done with a defensive midfielder. It's been mentioned many times. But the confidence, you, you even saw that when uh, they announced Varane on the pitch before the game before. Uh, there's a really good feel. There's a really good vibe about United. And also there's a feeling that finally Solskjaer could and actually should win something this season the the really interesting thing we picked up on the show on Sunday after the weekend's games was both Jack and Jay had been at the at Old Trafford um, for the United game on Saturday and one of the things they picked out was it wasn't just about uh, his performance and they both said it wasn't the best Ronaldo performance they've ever saw but what they thought was very interesting uh, was that when things weren't going United's way when when Newcastle grabbed that equaliser, when passes were going astray, 
Ronaldo seemed very calm. It seemed like he was controlling his frustrations. Well, compared to where he'd been in previous clubs, he's very expressive and we've all seen this. And so I don't know whether this is he's making more effort because it's a new club or because he has such an affinity for United, he's kind of going to let it go and he's going to build on that. Uh, and I think him as a leader and just that sheer force of will, I, I, I literally cannot see... Have me back on the show tomorrow <laughs> if I'm wrong. but I cannot see this going any other way yeah I mean I wonder if Ronaldo will start and whether it's sensible to start him because you know these are the sorts of games as Ant says Steve United should be winning quite comfortably but that being said last season they had a group in which they should have got through comfortably games against the likes of Istanbul Bashak Shahir and they didn't win they lost and it cost them their place in the knockout stages so do you think that will play on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's mind or do you think he'll be confident enough that he can leave Ronaldo on the bench because the attacking talent they have got is good enough to beat young boys anyway yeah I think he'll be confident I think he'd probably rotate but I would expect Ronaldo to get some minutes tonight um, this is the type of game where on the quiet Ronaldo's probably thinking I can get amongst it and maybe get a couple of goals um, because he's all about improving his tally isn't he and um, and I just don't see it. I just think this is going to be routine for him and United tonight I don't see any any challenges whatsoever United have got a really good side now um, obviously you know like, like Ant just said there they still need that um, really strong DM don't they in the centre of the park because they haven't got a you know, they haven't got a Kante, they haven't got a Fabinho, they haven't got, um, you know, a, 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 a Phillips. Yeah, you know, Phillips is a good shout. Um, you know, Fernandinho. They, you know, they haven't got got these these players in the centre that, that that they can put in. And um, it's still a great team, and it's a good energy about the team. There's a good vibe coming off Man United at the minute, and I think you know, winning games and gathering that momentum just helps you along. And I think young boys might get a bit of a spanking tonight. Yeah, well, Atalanta and Villarreal are the other sides in Manchester United's group. Of course, Villarreal, Steve, beat them in the Europa League final last season. So that could be an interesting affair when those two sides meet a couple of times in the group stage. And Atalanta, who might be one of the lesser Italian clubs in terms of size and stature, but they pack a hell of a punch and they're probably, you know, punching well above their weight in terms of, of what they can offer pound for pound. They could be one of the toughest teams in this group. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, it's something that um United will be wary of. I think Villarreal will will be a difficult task because Unai Emery has, you know, vast experience in the Premier League, doesn't he? He's beaten Premier League teams in Europe many times and and he's you know, he's he's obviously won European trophies quite a lot as well. So I think that's something to be wary of. And um I think the thing is with Atalanta, you don't know what you're gonna get. I mean, I think we went there last season and, and beat him five nil. Um, but then you know had a two all with him at Anfield. Also, I, I mean, I might be wrong, but um, you know I, I remember the second game at Anfield was a completely different kettle of fish. So you you don't know what you're going to get with him really. But th- this group is is very favourable for United. You know I think they'll they'll be you know expecting to win this group and um, and and get themselves in a decent position for a for a good draw in the, in the round of sixteen. Can you say the same thing for Chelsea, though? Zenit St. Petersburg, the visitors from Russia. This one, an 8pm kickoff in London. Chelsea won the Champions League last season. We'll come on to whether they can defend it in a second. But in terms of the group that Chelsea find themselves in, you've just mentioned how Villarreal and Atalanta, Steve, will be a difficult test. Is Chelsea's group harder? Zenit St. Petersburg and Malmö, probably the weakest teams in the group, but also Juventus are in there with Chelsea. So it's basically a, a fight for, for first and second. You'd think that those two sides would take those two spots. But, you know, there is no real heavyweight hitter in United's group. 
but Juventus certainly are that in Chelsea's group. So do you think it's a tougher group? Do you think uh, with Juventus in the group that Chelsea can't really afford any slip-ups? Um, I think it, I, th- I, th- I think Juventus obviously got beat at the weekend by Napoli, didn't they? Um, you know, 2-1, I think. Yeah. The thing is with Juventus, you've took Ronaldo out of that team and you've put Moise Keane back in it. Um, they're a completely different kettle of fish mm. now. And I think, you know, Allegri has got his work cut out at Juventus. They're 16th think- in Serie A with two defeats and a draw, by the way. So Yeah. I just think that um, you know it's for Chelsea to have them Zenit St. Petersburg and sorry who's the other one now? Uh, Malmo from Sweden Malmo yeah no, no problem for Chelsea I think Chelsea will come unstuck in the knockout rounds because it's very very difficult to retain the Champions League um, you know and I think that you know you'll, you'll do well to do that and I think that um, I can't see past PSG or City in the Champions League this season in fairness Below Juventus in Serie A this season they're 16th Cagliari, Spezia, Verona and Salamitana. So <laughs> actually, I think they'll be all right. But it's not great reading, is it, if you're a Juventus fan? Maybe the Champions League can offer a, a different focus, which is certainly what many people were thinking might be the case for Chelsea and last season. But they ended up getting the top four and winning the Champions League anyway. So it was an excellent season for Thomas Tuchel. They surely can't go on and do it again. I can't remember an English side ever um, in the Champions League era, maybe in the European Cup era, as Steve would point out with Liverpool. But in the Champions League era, teams don't really defend their title. Real Madrid did it, obviously, winning it a few times in a row with Zinedine Zidane. But English sides winning back-to-back Champions Leagues, it's never really been done since 1992. So, I mean, it would be a hell of an achievement. Do you think they can? Um, Yes, I do. And actually... um... That word is what makes me think that they can defend the title. Defending is what Tuchel has brought in, and you know, like just let's just take a step back here. And a year ago, you know, they weren't even in contention for that. They had some interesting players. Uh, You know, Lampard was still at the helm, and um, Tuchel brought in to sort of, you know, was brought in, and and he said, you know, I've come here to win, and everybody was like. This is a great press conference. This is just great chat. But really, you're just here to steady the boat and try and not get fired and have a better season next year after transfer window. And he absolutely, you know, I, I don't know exactly what he did, but whatever he did worked. And uh, I think towards that, that last half of the season, uh, they were definitely in the top two or three for defensive records, completely changed it around. And that brought them through and carried it through. And I, I mentioned Benitez earlier. Uh, tactically, Tuchel had an amazing, and uh, you know, last half of the season, and outdid Pep Guardiola, or, or as some people would say, Guardiola outdid himself in that Champions League final. And with the squad that they've got, <clears throat> with the players that they've they brought in the, the up front, the ability that they've got, the speed. Uh, you know, and, and then the linchpin, which you've not seen. Lukaku just looks like a man possessed, oh, doesn't just, he? He just looks like a monster at the moment. You, you know, and the thing is as well, I, I think there's been a lot of overshadowing because of the, the size of Ronaldo and the Ballon d'Or. And, and Lukaku himself says, you know, you know, I'm not even in the, the, the any top 10 that you'd find Ronaldo and Messi in. But I think in terms of personally for, for him, being back at Stamford Bridge, scoring up at Stamford Bridge at the weekend, you know, was possibly even bigger than it was for Ronaldo. I think I think Ronaldo expected it and Lukaku really wanted it. You know, because I think the first time he was at Chelsea, I think he had like 13, 14 games at Stamford Bridge without finding the back of the net. 
And so, I, I, you know, he, he's come back on fire. He's a different player to the one we saw at United. And yet the thing is, you know, we've seen so many different versions of this player and he's always got the goals, whether it's been um, at Everton, at Man United, you know, even when he was uh, over in Italy. But, you know, he, he, we've seen him, you know, get bigger after the World Cup. We've seen him move differently. I mean, the, the thing that st- stands out for me as well is he only had two chances and he only he had, I think he had the least touches of any player in, in the pitch at the weekend. And he came away with those two goals. And that's really, really important. If you're putting away the majority of your chances, you are going to find yourself on top of, you know, walking away with a golden boot and your team is going to find themselves walking away with trophies. And, you know, that's just one player in that. And you've got that up front and then you've got a defence. And also, like, he's brought in a great goalkeeper. He's managed to get... Uh, great performances at Kepa as well. So there's something really interesting going out of Chelsea. So uh, at the risk of sounding like a Chelsea fanboy, <laughs> I would say everything's in position. So if, if it could be done, this is the season that it could happen for Chelsea. It's been 108 days since Chelsea beat your team, Manchester City, in the Champions League final last That's season. That's not slept. <laughs> <laughs> and incidentally, Steve... It's been 108 days since Ben Chilwell last played a minute of competitive football. Thomas Tuchel has been quizzed in his pre-match press conference ahead of this game against Zenit St. Petersburg as to why Chilwell hasn't been involved for Chelsea this season so far. Of course, he cost them £50 million from Leicester last summer. And his reasoning, the German, was that Chilwell is mentally tired. He hasn't played a minute of football since that Champions League final last season. Didn't feature for England in the Euros in terms of getting on the pitch. He was part of the squad, of course. And Marcus Alonso has been favoured ahead of him in the pecking order for Chelsea so far this campaign. What do you make of that? Because I think it took a degree of honesty from Tuchel to reveal that to the media in attendance at that press conference to say, listen, Ben is mentally tired and I'm making this call because I think it's best for the player and best for the club. Do you think that is good management from Thomas Tuchel uh, well, I'll split that into parts. That 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 question. I think that um, a yes, it's it's. I think it's refreshing for Tuchel, you know, to come out and say that because, you know, these players at the end of the day are human beings after all. And if you know, if Ben Chilwell has had a really long season and and he's not hitting his levels, obviously the guys have got all the technology, haven't they? And you can see when they're hitting the red zone and stuff like that, and and when they're training too hard or when they're training too little. And I think that. You know there might be some fatigue there that is stopping Ben Chilwell hitting his level in you know in these sessions and you know Thomas Tuchel is just going yeah he's he's not a hundred percent and we need to get him you know rested and and properly recuperated so he can start performing at his optimum level again because the reality is Chelsea can't carry any passengers in that team um, you've got to put a lot of work in as a fullback in that Chelsea team because Tuchel likes the three centre backs doesn't he so um, I think that. Uh, it, it's it's cool and I think that um, the fans will probably be, be I mean we're talking about Chelsea fans so um, I'd like to think that they would be like you know let's get him fit again you know give him lots of support and and await, await his return on the pitch because when he's on song he's a, he's a tremendous player and um, yes big money deal but you know he's, he's a winner there he's won trophies obviously at, at Chelsea and you know, I think that you know him taking time out to to get mentally in the zone and 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 get back to 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 full fitness is. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think just let's just support him and obviously his manager supporting him, which is great. I agree, and actually, I really like Tuckle's use of 
terminology, considering English is not his first language. Mentally tired is, I think, a very good way to put it. Um, because I don't think it raises any stigmas or any deeper questions from media who are always trying to look for that extra angle for the, you know, the top line of the newspaper or that online article. So actually, I think, you know, mental tiredness is something that everyone experiences. And that does not transcend the game of football. Footballers are not immune to these sorts of issues. And, um, you know, for him to go away and uh, and work on himself and get himself into a position like you say, Steve, in which he can be competitive and effective for Chelsea again, I think that can only benefit them in the long run. You know, and actually Marcos Alonso is stepping up and doing a, a great job. So I really like the way Thomas Tuchel dealt with that. Chelsea take on Zenit St. Petersburg, 8pm kickoff tonight in their Champions League group stage game their group stage opener as they begin their Champions League title defence no N'Golo Conte no Christian Pulisic and no Ben Chilwell tonight for the Blues that's it for today's Football Social Daily thank you very much champion Ant McGinley um, thank you looking forward to listening to the episodes of Wrestling with the Champ which you can find on the Sports Social Podcast Network thank you very much Steve I know today was a difficult day for you Steve uh, praising Everton as much as we did and also talking about Manchester United but you came through it with flying colours oh, I'm sure guys. we'll be I'm sure we'll be talking about Liverpool again um, as their Champions League campaign kicks off as well sneaking into the top four last season with a remarkable end to the campaign we'll do that tomorrow on Football Social Daily but that's it for today and we'll catch you next time Football Social Daily find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk Okay, round two name something that's not boring a Laundry? Ooh, a book club Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.